Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Barry and Jenny Talk About Stuff show. Um, it's the end of the year, Are right? Are we not ranting anymore? Are we not ranting anymore? We can we rant, rant, but it's the right. holidays. I mean, I think this, you know what? This is a very special episode yeah. of the it's Barry like and Jenny awesome. Rant show because it's end of the year. We're happy. Are you happy, Barry? Um, I'm, I'm hilarious. You are hilarious. And ecstatic. Yes, I'm ecstatic. So at the top of this, well, whatever we're doing, how do people find your writing? Like, give us the uh, They go to freedmanoftheplains.com on Substack. Friedman of the Plains. It's a long story or a short story. And that's where they can find me. Everything is, is glommed there. Everything is just pushed to that from the Esquire stuff and the progressive populist stuff and the other writing. It all goes to freedmanoftheplains.com. There you go. Barry Friedman, local comic, writer, deep thinker. The, the, the local, do you have to say local? Do you have to hurt me like that? Well, are you international? Well, I guess you are international. You go yes, on a cruise every year and allegedly work. Okay, we'll do that. And, and I'm- It's good to see you again. Let's just, the, the elephant in the room, it's good to see you again. Yes, I'm here. You are still- Build the Postal World Editorials Editor. Still doing that game. The whole place is in a consignment shop at this moment. <laughs> Good for you. We are plugging along with local journalism, I'll tell you. It looks a little different, but we're still there. So, uh, but ha happy Hanukkah. It's the holidays. Here You're we right go. in the middle of it. Yes, third night. And, and Merry Christmas to you. See, we did that. How about that? And the world did not fall the world apart. It's still around. Season so, the Hanukkah greeting. thing. But yes. I am, I've always been fascinated by Hanukkah, mainly because it goes on for like eight days. Right. seems like a long time. I like the food. I think if we were to put Hanukkah food up against Christmas food, I think Hanukkah wins because it's a lot of fried food. And that's excellent. The jelly I never, donuts. I never quite got the ham anyway. I don't really like ham, but the ham and the turkey, although I did have a turkey breast for Thanksgiving, you know, the boneless turkey breast. Right. Right. That is the way to go. Oh, yeah. It's excellent. Well, you know, I, I, are you saying that ham wasn't around in ancient Middle Eastern cuisine and potatoes? You think that? No, I just, I just don't like there? the sight of the ham in the middle of the table. And I don't like the taste of the ham. And usually if it's surrounded by pineapples and milk, it really seemed like a bad idea. And there's the whole, I mean, if you don't keep kosher, and I don't keep kosher, I've never kept kosher, but... Ham is just too much. It just ham just really spits on on generations of Jews. Whereas bacon doesn't. But bacon's okay. Bacon's okay. My, my father, may he rest in soul, rest in peace, uh, had less of a problem with bacon than he did sausage, and I actually understand that. So on okay. um, the hierarchy of 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 kosher crimes, you'd have you know. There's there's hams at the top. Okay. Hams out. And then sausage. Right. And then bacon. Well, not actually before. Then bacon. And then like cheeseburgers and stuff. You really can't combine dairy. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah but so, ham is really at the top. You know, it just no ham. Ham just says, you know, choose not welcome. <laughs> well, we'll be having ham on my Christmas table. So I'll I'll have I'm your not coming over. Or I want my own, I want you to make me some, you know, leave out some cold jelly donuts. I mean, to me, I think that, I mean, you fry potatoes, fried donut. I mean, 
I think you guys win win that that contest. I mean, well, by right. Oklahoma standards, I mean it's basically like a state fair of a holiday. You just fry a lot of things, right? Because it's celebrating the oil that lasted, and I think well, that's right. It's it's not just that. Now, last year uh, with Washington Post, actually, uh, I'm going to drop a name here, but only because I have to. Uh, Dialithwick called me, and they were having a discussion, podcast discussion in Washington Post about the proper topping for latkes, mm. which Sour everybody cream. knows it has to be applesauce. Oh, but there is some discussion about sour cream. The applesauce or, is very German. Yeah, sour cream, and then there's also a, a small contingent that believes in peanut butter or uh, ketchup. That's and here problem. in Oklahoma, you know, of course, you'd have to put ranch on the latke, which just the cultures just collide, and they both lose at that point. <laughs> so with the fried latke, with latke, you 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 have to put applesauce, or if you're a heathen, you put uh, sour cream on it. Oh, okay. I'm glad you, you, I'm sure they were all in agreement. No, so that was a good discussion. What do you each... do? Are you, are you celebrating each night? Do you have a thing you do? Well, it'd be lighting the candles. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond the candles. Do you like, are you, are you into the whole thing? I mean. What do you Jews do? What how Jewish are you, Barry? That's what I'm asking. Well, you, you know. You like the fourth night and you're like, I'm good. I mean. Now, you do like candles every night, and 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 we like candles every night when we get the menorah down from the attic. Some years it doesn't quite make it down, but we think about it. Now you know you have the candles and the you know you light them and you do the prayers, or you know as Jews entered modernity they had the electric menorah, so you just pretty much just screw in the light bulbs as you're saying the prayers. Yeah, it seems a little. I don't know. So and let me just say. Yes? Are you exchanging gifts? We do exchange gifts, although we haven't exchanged them yet. The reason we didn't exchange them yet is because uh, uh, Melissa and I got married this year and we went to Iceland and then her son and I decided to buy her a laptop for some reason. And then we decided, well, this is going to be your present for a couple of Hanukkahs, a couple of Christmases, a couple of birthdays, and a couple of Valentine's Days. So we don't really have to give her anything this year, but that doesn't really work. Yeah, you so might rethink that idea. Yeah, I, I got to get her something. So I'm okay. going to I'm going to get her something right. But uh, so that's what we would do. And of course, Gregory gets gifts. Now we never did the eight gifts every night. We did the one gift. Even growing up, had one gift, the major gift on night one. Did you get like a big gift? Was it like, like what was your big gift? Like when you were growing up? Oh, I got a stereo one year. That's pretty good. I got a stereo one year. Yeah. So that's that's like not socks. No, not socks. No, but it was always, it was always one big gift. And, so, uh, speaking of this whole Christmas Hanukkah thing, yeah, you think there is still a war on Christmas? It was never a war on Christmas. But of all the nonsense, of all I, the, I think it's died down. I mean, it, it came from Bill O'Reilly, right? And but it was picked up by by Trump and a number of Republicans that somehow they couldn't celebrate Christmas because every Target cashier said happy holidays or season greetings instead of Merry Christmas. And somehow that ruined their holiday because somebody was trying to be inclusive to other cultures. It, it just was the strangest thing, even on, on if you accepted the notion that uh, people weren't saying Merry Christmas because they thought maybe somebody wasn't Christian. Oh my God, how do we survive as a nation? If you say, hey, I'm not going to assume you celebrate what I celebrate, 
So I know it's a holiday season. So happy holidays. Where's the crime? It was it was never about the holidays. It oh, was right, about not. the larger cultural war about fear that people who don't think like us are going to force us into something. Like if they, whoever they are, the liberals, the you know, non-Christians, if they can take away our Christmas, then they'll make us marry gay people or whatever they think or indoctrinate us into whatever. I mean, I think it was, and and it's never ending because there's no way to win, you know, this war on Christmas as, you know, the Fox News editorial mm -hmm. entertainers said. So, but I think that, and I mean, this started like what, back in the early 2000s? And I just think a lot has changed and I don't get the sense that that fervor those boycotts, remember all that? Yeah. I don't think that's there anymore. What are well, what's there, your there, there wasn't enough to be there. And and the sense I want to read you something, but the, the sense is that the more commercialized you make the holiday, the more inclusive you make the holiday, the more people enjoy the holiday, which should, really should be the point. Can I just read you something from Operation Shylock by Philip Roth? Okay. okay. Your this favorite author. There's actually something not more than just snarky here, all right? This is from a speech that he gives in the middle of the book. The radio was playing Easter Parade, and I thought, but this is a Jewish genius on the par with the Ten Commandments. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and then he gave Irving Berlin Easter Parade and White Christmas, the two holidays that celebrate the divinity of Christ, the divinity that's the very heart of the Jewish rejection of Christianity, and what does Irving Berlin brilliantly do? He de-Christs them both. Easter, he turns into a fashion show and Christmas into a holiday about snow. Gone is the gore and the murder of Christ. Down with the crucifix and up with the bonnet, he turns their religion into schlock, but nicely, nicely. That's pretty cynical though. Do you think yes. Irving Berlin was that cynical? No, I don't think Irving Berlin was. I think he was out think for Philip, a buck. I think Philip Roth was. But the fact is, if that allows Jews or any non-Christian to enjoy the holiday, mm -hmm. what's wrong with that? That we don't celebrate the birthday of Christ, who probably wasn't born here anyway, so that's an accommodation with the season. So what's the problem with more people enjoying the thing of Christmas, the giving gifts, the family, the getting together. Where's the crime? I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I do think that there has been a lot of change since this faux war began. That I think that there are younger people who are becoming more, uh, you know, they're, they're just not joining Christian churches like they did. I mean, study after study shows there's a diversification of faith in the country and non-faith. And I think that everyone kind of looks at a little different. I don't think that, I don't think that anger from the population they were, Bill O'Reilly was targeting is there anymore. I think people realize it's a, it was just a made up thing to rile a base. And I do think it was not about the holidays or Christmas. I think it was about the larger, you know, attack on what they perceive as progressive agendas or liberalism or whatever it is. You know, they put it in the same boat of all the other issues. And I think this was, and like I say earlier, it's never ending. So they can always go back to this and pull it out when they need. Like, oh, look, Starbucks, they took away 
they have a snowman on their cup instead of, you know, a cross or whatever it is. You know, it's something to always have outrage. And I think that plays into it. But I, I don't know if it's there anymore. I don't I don't feel it, but I don't know whether you do either. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I always thought that it was cynical. It was so cynical that it 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 ginned up the right and the left. That the left felt the need to respond to it, and the right, right yeah. felt the need to crow about the fact. I think even Trump said that he brought Christmas back as if it went anywhere. Uh, but it did feel like not only did, I agree with you that it was never ending, but it was easy to declare victory. You know, or you know. not, or if they feel, or if they, meaning the, uh, I don't even know what to call them, provocateurs, feel like they're losing ground, then they pull it back up. Right. And say, oh, look here. I mean, I don't, because there's no win to it. I mean, there's no, I mean, what, what, what do, what is considered a win that everyone says Merry Christmas? No, that's absurd. You know, and there are like tons of holidays. I want to celebrate them all. Like I say, I want to have the jelly donuts. You, you invite me over to have the, uh, what what do you call them? There's a name. The I believe. What? What? Chili, chili, what donuts? The jelly donut. It begins with an S. I've only seen it written. I've never heard it. Chili donuts begin with an S. I should know this, but I'm a really you, bad you Jew. I don't know. Chili donuts with an S. I'll look it up. Can you I'm ask the, me why I asked you if you celebrated? Yeah, I'm the worst Jew to have on to talk about this, but <laughs> jelly donuts with an S. Hold on. I, I, I'm not going to get over Well, we All should right. probably move on, right? Because right. it's easier. I want to. So I also love Festivus because it's a made up holiday that Seinfeld created on a sitcom. And I love it because I actually like understand the idea of wanting to sit everyone down and explaining why they've disappointed you this year. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you watch, did you ever watch that? I did, sure. Oh, yeah. It's the only episode that Tracy Letts, Oklahoma's Tracy Letts, was on. He was a uh, he he was a character on that show, on that episode, on that one episode, which I always thought was kind of funny. So I'm thinking, what disappointed me this year? Voter turnout. Mm -hmm. One, Oklahoma has one of I think probably the lowest voter turnout now. There are ways to fix it. It won't get done because the supermajority doesn't want to mess with their power. So low voter turnout. Um. The politicalization of public schools and the attack on public education. And uh, I'm just going to say it, Elon Musk. What a uh, guy that is. Yeah. Um, I'm just watching Twitter to see how many, uh, you know, see how many bodies are in the wake of that when it finally, because it won't be around in a year. It'll be gone. Right. I, I, the thing with Musk is, and I get it like you and guess me, like many people, I don't know how much to care about it. I don't. It's just watching a traffic accident that won't end. Right. And I just, but remember, remember when we turned the golden driller into a Tesla t-shirt because we wanted Tesla here so bad. Right. And it was embarrassing. And I thought, has anyone looked into, like, he's never had a great reputation for being a boss or being a, you know, a company. Corporate citizen. Yeah. Or <laughs> a human being. And the, the idea that we were like courting to that degree, I thought was embarrassing because this was not a guy who was going to be like contributing to the community. Or that he was ever going to come here. It was sort of the dangling of that, you know, let's go ahead and do this. Uh, whore yourself out. And it's pathetic anyway, because you have no chance of getting it. Right. Um, I would agree with you on all of those things. Uh, 
of disappointments. I guess politically, the biggest disappointment is that the only reason the Republicans are moving away from Trump, if they're moving away from Trump, is that he's costing them elections mm -hmm. and not because he's an insurrectionist, not because he tried to bring the government down, but because he cost them Pennsylvania and Georgia. And that's pretty cynical that even now they're talking about, if you watch the Sunday morning talk shows, which I do a lot, you hear things like, well, there are other candidates out there and let's wait and see. And other candidates may appear and other good, other good candidates like Trump's a good candidate and there are other good ones. So they're inching away, but only inching away because they get the sense he's costing them elections because he is costing them elections. Right. What's also sad about that is he's just barely costing them elections. Mm -hmm. I mean, Herschel Walker got 1.8 million votes. And that means that those people in Georgia, even after the Republicans had no chance of taking control of the Senate, thought this is still a good idea because we will stick it to the liberals. Or he will be malleable enough that they'll he'll do what he, we, right. the Republicans tell him to do. That's completely it. What was it that Dave Chappelle on SNL said he was observationally stupid? I just thought that was a brilliant phrase for Herschel Walker, which is sad because, you know, had he not, it's kind of like Dr. Oz, who knew he was what he was. But I think there, the Republican Party certainly is going to have to look at why is Trump costing elections? Is it, um, is this, is it his personality? Is it the policies? I mean, there. I mean, that's the the question. I think they need to ask. You know, who's going to represent the party, not just in four years, but in twenty years? What is well, you, what is our country? Our country is not going to look the same in twenty years, and the party. And and frankly, the Democrat Party is in the same situation where. We've talked about this before. What do they stand for? What what are they about? And I mean, personally, I'm a independent because you know both parties sort of lack any draw for me. So you know that's kind of when I look at both of them. I think they're both sort of at this crossroads. I mean, you've got Joe Biden, who's 80 years old, who's going to be the standard bearer. Can they not find anyone? You know younger, uh, someone who looks like the future. And that's, I'd say the same. I think you make a mistake when you, when you lump them both in together, right? There is a difference. The Democrats have not attacked the Capitol. Right. And if you want to argue about, you know, you don't lose friends over tax policy and you don't lose friends over, over environmental policy. You lose friends over we're talking about a man who tried to bring down the government and we're supposed to have a rational discussion. I'm supposed to understand and respect your opinion on why that isn't such a bad thing because Hillary did something, you know, the, the refrain for years has always been but her emails that there's always a corresponding, the both siders. I think to answer your original question, I think they're turning away from Trump and it's purely personality because if you look at Ron DeSantis, and you look at, let's say, Asa Hutchinson or even Chris Christie, God forbid. But if you look at those three candidates, DeSantis is running to the right of Trump and he's got traction. 
And right now, if you had to bet, you'd say he'd be the nominee. Which means Republicans are not saying about Trump, oh, he's too conservative. I mean, I think we might actually get to a point where we will look longingly back and go, wish we had the calm and maturity and the ability to compromise from Trump. We don't have that now. Right. The question is, so DeSantis moves to the right. I had a quite, you know, conversation with David Blatt yesterday. He's like, well, if Trump's out of the race, does DeSantis pull back from the right? They keep finding room to the right of these candidates. And I don't think there's any room left. They're hitting the wall now, but they keep finding. Well, certainly in the primaries. I yeah. mean, we've seen that just locally. So. Um, Which was but- also scary. And as you pointed out, racist. It's not just politically. It's racist. It's scary. It's, it's uh, what's the word? Christo-fascist. I mean, it really is a. We are, a, you know, the advocating we are a Christian nation. And that's what we are supposed to be. Now, okay, so Jim Langford doesn't go there. So he's a moderate now because you found some room on the right of him. I mean, is there anybody to the right of our new education uh, superintendent? Is there a place to the right of Ryan Walters? I'm sure there is. I'm sure it will be found. We'll find out. So what else has disappointed you this year? Uh, general lack of movement on climate change and crime and guns and Alzheimer's and on and on and on. Um, and, uh, sort of the, as we're talking about the, uh, I wouldn't say the acceptance, but there is a, uh, room now in the, in the larger conversation for QAnon. There is a, a place now for those people. I mean, how yeah, many- that has been. And that's where, for me, the Republican Party really is going to have to step up and point to that wing and say, you're not here. That We need more leaders in the party to say, no, your conspiracy theory that JFK is alive is, you know, and whatever. No, you're, you're not. That's not being political. That's like almost a break with in reality in some cases. Mitch McConnell actually said that about Marjorie Taylor Greene. He actually came out and said that last year, and it did no good. I don't no. know whether Mitch McConnell was the wrong, uh, the wrong spokesperson for that, but Green winning re-election and Boebert winning re-election and Gozar winning re-election is, is not a good sign for Republicans who would step up. I mean, there was a point where Kevin McCarthy could have said, and I guess Mitch McConnell could have said on January, whenever they had the second impeachment vote, vote to impeach. Let's excise this from our party to do exactly what you're saying. That's not the Republican Party. He's not the Republican Party. And they didn't step up. And they didn't step up because they thought it'll cost us more votes stepping up than it will it'll cost us votes if we don't. And that's what the Republican Party did in Nixon's time. And that's what's really disappointing was, you know, the Democrats didn't do it with Bill Clinton, you know, in in hindsight, you know, you talk about the Me Too movement. I track it to the Bill Clinton and no one kind of stood up at that time. But the Republicans in Nixon's time, they got him out. They're like, no, you do not represent us. And that's that has to happen more. And it may cost an election. But I also think there's a healthy number of people out there that just like chaos. They like the fight. They're not even really aware of 
and I saw this in, in the state level, they weren't really aware of what their positions were. They just knew that person was sticking it to the, the bureaucracy, the mainstream, the whoever. And, and so there's a, a little bit, a lot on the electorate to just not know or not be curious enough to find out more for themselves of who they're voting for. And, and in this state, they're voting for party. The Republican Party as a brand, as we've spoken about, has a lot of power. And so there are people voting Republican, not really knowing who the individual is. And sometimes that individual is, as we saw almost, a uh, you know anti-Semitic white supremacist in one case. Well, what I've noticed is there is a, a, a sense that if, if government doesn't work for you, and hasn't worked for you and your family, and someone comes along and says, I hear you, it doesn't work, period. Let's trash the whole thing. And it also doesn't work for you because government's working for these people who are not as deserving as you. I can see where that message would resonate. Right, uh, right. You know, you, and you would like to think, all right, even with that being said, if that party then tries to overthrow the government, I think your inability to get a permit to do whatever you want to do should take a back seat to that. But I'm not sure that's the case anymore. I mean, you, you say what uh, we talked about ch that child care credit last time, right? right? There are plenty of Republican single mothers getting that two, three hundred dollars a month from the government that when they extended the tax credit that Joe Manchin and Cinema and every Republican voted against because it was inflationary. That was three hundred dollars a month people are no longer getting. That's a real thing to me. Right. So you have that real three hundred dollars a month not coming in. And then you have some uh, transsexual playing field hockey in Indiana. How can that possibly matter to you as much as that three hundred dollars that Republicans took away from you? But Republicans are now saying to you, they won't play field hockey with your daughter. They won't urinate next to your son. That was the the that always been that's confounded me is how, how those two issues can actually both resonate with people who vote. The second thing was that it still seems to me that Republicans win the strength notion, you know, which candidate's stronger, which one will stand up, which one will speak up. And there is that sense that Trump, because he's unfiltered, that was part of his strength, even though what he was saying was insane or racist or whatever it was. It didn't matter. He was strong in saying it. And I still don't know if there are Democrats. Though. I mean, there are some. But you have to get into the weeds right, yeah. to see it. I think I think Schiff is those people. I think Jamie Raskin is that. I think uh, Lofgren is that. Uh, and if you notice, one of the things that we're, Democrats like so much about Liz Cheney is that. That strength, the ability to come out and say unequivocally, Trump should never be allowed near the White House again. We have Democrats who do that, but they're not that national brand. I mean, Biden sometimes hits that note, but not as not, much as Republicans. Yeah. No, I mean that's they're and it that plays into the whole, you know, being a hawk kind of thing. And you mentioned like the the transgender, you know, the wedge issues versus the actual issues. And that goes back to that war on Christmas to me. When yeah. you're losing traction, you you go to the bank. And the bank right now includes transgender, it includes LGBTQ, it includes a wrong Christmas, it includes all that. So 
because those are easier to wrap your head around than how your, you know, child tax credit works, you know, monthly versus in on your taxes. So, so we, so we've gone negative. Let's try to go positive here. What has inspired you? What made you feel good about this year, Barry? I'm going to what read you another happy? quote because I prepared for this podcast. I have a, I'm reading a quote. This is from the Atlantic's Derek Thompson. He had a, a an article about the eureka moment in history, how we spend too much effort and energy celebrating the aha moment. Right. For instance, you find a cure for smallpox or a cure for something, a vaccine, and we go, aha, that's the moment. Well, he said that progress is as much about the implement, implementation as it is the invention. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that in mind, we are making progress on things that make our lives better. If you think about the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, mm-hmm. right? right? it was fast-tracked under the Trump administration and the Biden administration implemented it. Now, what stopped it from, from really succeeding was people stopped taking it or didn't want it, right? But that was an example of something that actually worked in this country and worked pretty quickly in this country. That was actually a success. That was something to be happy about, that it actually, you can give Trump some credit for that. His administration fast-tracked it. I mean, he may not have, you know, sold it, and he well, may he took it. I always remind people he who want to argue, he, he actually did take the vaccine. As did Ron DeSantis, who's now having a, a holy ask the Supreme Court, ask this courts, right, his Justice Department to investigate COVID vaccines. Right? So with that in mind, I will say that I think the most uh, promising story was the DOE uh, announcement about the achievement of fusion ignition at the laboratory that that could be the game changer for energy in this country and if that changes if that actually works then we actually can move forward because again it's not a headline but the colorado river is drying up that's a very serious problem when you're trying to say to people okay she said happy holidays get over it Arizona is not going to have water in six months. Do you think that's hard for Oklahomans to understand, though? Because I think when it comes to other states, particularly when it comes to like California and those issues, there's almost a sense of, well, that's just how it works. I mean, it just seems so uh, because we do have water. That's one thing Oklahoma, you know, we fought with Texas over it. But um, it's hard when I'm talking to everyday people here for them to get really I don't know, motivated around, around that issue. Around yeah, it's, a, it's a big world and it's a short day. So you have to pick your battles. And, and I understand that. But, you know, there are things that are happening that will eventually affect us. And I don't know whether we were ever really good at it or maybe we thought we were really good at it. I mean, we talked about this one time that, you know, we all look back to that, you know, when was America great? What, is, what, is the, what do those hats mean? What are they recalling? And, and I guess we, they're recalling the 50s. That's the only thing I can think of. I can figure out. Yeah, but the 50s were great if you were a white male. Right. So I'm not sure we ever actually had that. But there was the sense that science 
mattered and and expertise mattered and and now you know because and i love the line that let's not confuse your google search with my 12 years of medical school um but i do think that science does move on i do think technology does move on progress does move on and this vaccine was one of those stories where america even though we fought we didn't fight some fought the actual taking of it we developed this vaccine which saved how many hundreds of thousands of lives that's a pretty positive thing mm-hmm. to think about this country i mean we started you know that america was not um celebrated for how it began this but now you can argue that because of american ingenuity and they had the vaccine in two days after the research they had done 10 years previous on other diseases that's astonishing and they got it out in a year yeah it was when you look at and that contributed to the conspiracy theories but there was a really good piece i think in the new york times that tracked the whole history of it that it had to do with um you know rna message rna right and that it actually they go it wasn't a year this was you know 30 years in the making that all these other things i thought that was pretty fascinating talking about your progress right and what you just said um you said there's a really good story in the times and i said there was a really good story in atlantic or really good story in harper's or washington post who says there was a really good story on uh, OAN. <laughs> it was a really good story on Fox. I mean, what journalism is the right doing on these stories to, to talk about the 30 um, years of research? I have had, I have had people in, like you, they're always, you know, they, I'm viewed as, which is kind of funny, I'm viewed as this super liberal progressive people by certain people. And they're always trying to get me to watch Tucker Carlson. I said, I don't watch any of those shows. I said, I'm a reader. They're like, oh, you have to watch Tucker Carlson. He's the best journalist out there. I'm like, he's not a journalist anymore than I would say Rachel Maddow is. I think Rachel does more homework to know how she's arguing, but they're, if you were to ask her, she's she's an editorialist. You know, they're in, in Tucker Carlson, he's just, you know, he's an entertainer. I mean, in the same. And so there are still, I think, and that's an interesting change in the future that I think that as a community, we have to think about how you consume media, how you get news and how we view it. Because, you know, I'm worried at, at the local level, there's a lot of local journalism that's going away. And I'm not talking just Tulsa, I'm talking small towns, you know, people that used to check the, you know, Logan County Sheriff's blotter, that person's not there anymore. So, you know, there is kind of that interesting, you know, we talk about the future and what lies ahead. You know, I think that's going to become more and more of an issue of how we get our news and how people digest it and yeah. and act on it. Because, you know, that, you know, what what, what they consume mean, is in large part how people vote, how people act, whether they get the vaccine, whether they don't, that kind of thing. So, but, you know, you, I wanted to go back to your thing about progress. You know, it reminded me, and I didn't think of it until now, but I was thinking of the Respect for Marriage Act, that I I really am, it makes me feel inspired. It makes me feel good that the community has changed so much in my lifetime, in your lifetime, to recognize same-sex sex marriage, that 
I really thought at one point in my life, like, well, that's kind of a pipe dream. We never happened. It happened. The acceptance of same-sex marriage happened faster in this country than the acceptance of interracial marriage. When you look at polling, and I found that to be pretty fascinating. And I don't know if by breaking down that barrier of interracial marriage kind of allowed that to show, hey, love is love is love. But that, I mean, the Supreme Court made its decision. That's going to be a whole other, I think they're going to be on my Festivus list in the future. But but that we now have that law, that we now have this equality that, you know, I think that's 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 that progress you're talking about. It didn't happen overnight, but but it happened. And it happened. He's right. It happened very quickly. Very heartening how ha how quickly it happened. And I think it happened. A, you're right about the uh, love is love is love. And I think the other thing that happened was it didn't affect people. Hmm. I mean, my neighbors, uh, lesbians, married. Uh, my sister-in-law was and divorced, right? So now <laughs> I joined the club. Um, but it's like, love is love is love. And they're great neighbors. And, you know, when you think about uh, heterosexual couples having sex, you cringe, right? So I think, no, I think, now the reason I say that is what was always the problem with homosexual? marriages and unions is we didn't like the idea the thought of that together those people together well who likes anybody together think about your 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 best friends and and their married best friends who wants to think about them in bed well we never thought about think about them in bed so now with same-sex marriages we think we don't think about them having because it's none of our business just as if it's never been our business you know we've gone from hanukkah and christmas yeah. So now your best friend having sex. This is this is the course of our conversation, Barry. I don't know what this means about us. I, I was never treated for ADD and probably should have been. That's what it means. You know, you know what I but going back to the original, what inspired me, I kind of think about people too. And the war in Ukraine, as horrible and horrifying as it is, I I'm in I'm heartened that there's a person like Volodymyr Zelensky, and I know I'm not saying his first name correctly, but that there is a country that they are, they see the value in democracy to the point where the average everyday person is picking up arms. They're building, making Molotov cocktails and, you know, and they're, their people are defending their country to the point that I don't know whether Americans would do the same. I really don't. I think a lot of people would head to Canada. Um, people like to say that they would stay and fight, but they, we have not faced that reality in our country. They're facing. I would be afraid, excuse me, I would be afraid that the Tucker Carlson's of the world would support those attacking us. I mean, when you listen to Tucker Carlson talking about Zelensky being a criminal or whoever was on a show talking about it and him not pushing back and, and supporting Putin, at what point does that mean game over? I can no longer watch these people because they are I, not Americans. At what point do you go, that's it? Or is your notion of the world just needs to be uh, flushed and then restarted? That was the whole business about draining the swamp. 
was the problem with one six that for a lot of people was that it didn't work that they didn't hang up Mike Pence that they didn't take over that Trump wasn't reinstalled not that it was a crime not that it's against everything we supposedly say we are for but that it didn't work they were unsuccessful I mean when Trump said we love you go home who was the we who loved him who was the we that loved them that he was referring to was it the 74 million people who voted for him and that's why when I look at Ukrainians, I realize there's good in the world because they've come together as a people to realize their freedoms matter, that true freedom matters. They're not worried about a transgender kid who's going to wrestle. They're not worried about banning books. They are saying we as a people have to defend against this tyranny, actual tyranny. Because for anyone who, if you need a reminder of who Putin is, we can do that. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a murderer, and right. a tyrant, and all of the bad things. Um, and and we need and and I say this because I think that in Congress you're going to see some people wanting to pull back aid. We can't do that. We cannot. We I think have an obligation to support those who also want a freedom, as we do. And it's important for countries like Russia not to win. You know, we have to step in and say, no, this country is so bad, they can't have this win. We can't get it. And we cannot wrap ourselves around the fact, and many will and have, that Putin, he's strong. He's no, he's not strong. Matter of fact, I would argue he's weak. Yeah. If if anything, it shows how weak his military is. Because I really thought, this is going to be awful. They're going to run over this country in less than four weeks. And that's just not the case. So so that that continues to inspire me. I hope next year brings some peace to the Ukrainians and freedom. I don't know what it's going to take to break, but I don't want our congressmen to and women to pull back on that. So the other thing that inspired me, I'm sorry. Go I was just going to say, I actually had a nice moment. I was going to give it to you before I forgot it, right? Or decided it wasn't important. There have always been moments where individuals had those acts of kindness. Been going on for years, even now. And you know that we all politics is local or it's tribal. But the fact is, you and I would help each other out right now. And we have a lot of people who would do that right now. And we say, oh my faith and humanity has been restored well it's never when was it ever not restored when would when would Ginny never come help me that never was the case and i think there are we have these blessings and we have these connections with people that have always been they've always been strong and always really uh kept our lives together they were the glue i remember hearing a, an east german commentator once talked about it because you people in america think all we do is talking about the destruction of the west but we go ahead we go have coffee and we shop and we raise families it's not all we do so all americans do is not fight about transgenders playing field hockey we have plenty of moments where we don't do that similarly when people say uh about bosses or co-workers right we've always complained about that We've always complained about about 
I'm the smartest one. And if you listen to people tell stories about their workspace, it's always their boss is always an idiot. How can that be? How can every boss be incompetent and inarticulate and, and a bore and all the smart ones are under him? We've always sort of ginned the game to make it sound like the world was falling apart. Maybe it was and maybe it wasn't, but we're still here. Right? We are still here. And as of now, we're still drinking water and breathing. And so it sounds like it seems like it's working. But I think there's always been more good out there than we uh Again, in a politically charged world, we want to admit. I agree. And I love to hear you say that because I don't hear you say stuff like that very often, Barry. But I think we also need to be reminded of it because especially because it is highly charged and because there is so much rancor that and I, on my list of and Tolson of the year was the, the kid, um, Isaiah Jarvis. He was the, the, the little league kid. I mean, what a cool moment. And even he got criticized. I remember sports radio was like, he was the kid who got hit in the head by a baseball, got up, saw that the pitcher, another kid was rattled by it, which I'm, it's nice that there's a kid rattled by it, that you, you know, you should be rattled when that happens. And he goes over and hugs him. And that was just a beautiful moment in the world series, like championship tournament. And he was getting knocked for it by by sports radio, by some guys just like, well, that's not how you're supposed to play. You're supposed to, it's like, screw you. If you if that was your reaction, right. you are the problem. Because that's a beautiful moment by two kids who saw themselves beyond competitors, that they saw we don't have to fight even when we're on this field of competition. We can have a sportsmanship. And that's what we've lost, I think, sometimes overall, whether we're talking politics, business, there is a sportsmanship that gets lost. And and that's what I, when I think of being inspired, that inspired me because I thought it's still there. We still have it. Well, if you're in the ballpark, I mean, there are, you know, the right and the left, I mean, some people on, on outside of the ballpark, right? And you cannot reach them, discuss them. Right. You joked with me earlier when we were preparing for the show about my favorite restaurant in town. Well, all right. So uh, these guys who own the restaurant, I'll say Mondo's, they own the say, restaurant. Say it, Mondo's. Uh, they are not politically my cup of tea. They're just not. And sometimes the arguments get heated. And yet there's enough common ground that that we somehow manage to either ignore politics or talk about the stuff we agree with. Well, one time the... Uh, we, I had an argument with one of them, and it was a bad argument. I thought, all right, well, this is it. This we, We're not coming back from this argument. The next time I went into the restaurant just to see if it was over, <laughs> uh, the guy I had the argument with, Lou, the father, I'll say his name, mm-hmm. bought me shoes. He had shoes for me, and I said, you bought me shoes? He said, yes. Because I know you're a comedian, you're on your feet a lot, and these are the most comfortable shoes I've ever had. So I bought you shoes. I thought, okay, right? The man bought me shoes, and he's wrong about everything politically. I mean, <laughs> and I have these shoes. And you say, well, okay, it doesn't matter. Okay, which is more important at this moment? That he's wrong politically and supports people who, right, who I abhor, or that I have these shoes. 
And that's when life gets complicated. And that's when you have to say there were, there were, there were lines that friendship uh, should not cross and that you understand differences. And that's what makes America great, right? right? Because we do understand that we don't, again, I'll start what I said earlier, you don't lose friendship over someone's support of block grants to the states. I mean, just not a reason to, to blow up relationships. So I think, and I think people have been doing that, that we find those relate, we have those relationships all the time with family members, there's always some uncle, some father, who we love, but we can't talk politics. My dear friend, Vern Stefanik, who I know you know, his father was to the right of him, way to the right of him. And one time Vern got in the car, hope he doesn't mind me telling you the story, gets in the car and he's got Rush Limbaugh on. And his father just starts and Vern just said, we're not gonna listen to it and just turned it off, right? Cause he's his father, right? My father, you don't, again, lose fathers and sons because he listens to Rush Limbaugh. We've always done that. What we do, what now the problem is, you cannot do that with the Marjorie Green Taylors of the world, with the Tucker Carlson's. How do you talk to them? Where's the conversation? So if there's a common ground, yeah, I think we should exploit it. We should stay in there. But understand that we're not all hoping for the same thing. And that's what the one six insurrection and those who support Trump. That's why it was so scary. But we don't that, have to make friends with Marjorie Taylor Greene or Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow or whoever on AOC, whoever. Don't do that. You're it's having to not, make, you're, you're having, no, but you're, no, but, but to be fair, there are people that have the same kind of reaction um, to people they view on the left. I mean, I've seen people have conniptions over like you say the word, you know, Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi, they get the same reaction. But you don't have to make friends with them. We're having a relationship with with you, my uncle, my cousin. Right. I just have to deal with you. I don't have to like who they I don't have to like the music they like. I'm just here because I want to share the pecan pie. You know, so um, and I think that's what we have to get back to is is I think what you're talking about, which is more important. And sometimes if that person, you know, if you can't get through to that person, I mean, maybe it's a big, different relationship, but, but I do think, as you well, said, there are triggers, there are, there are triggers, triggers, but I think we have more in common than we think. And I, you touched on that earlier, that you have our fringes and they take a lot of air and they get a lot of attention, but there are more of us in the middle who just want to come up with um ways to get along and make progress and make this world better for our kids so um and that's the inspiring part of 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 our conversation i will say the one last thing that inspired me my son graduated high school this past year and that was not a small thing <laughs> so wonderful it is and you're gonna um, go to graduation aren't you that what you're going to go to graduation exercise you're good oh you graduated did you go did you cry did you stand in the i did it was very i mean you have kids, you know, you have those moments you don't expect where you're like watching it going, damn, that happened. You know, you're like, you know, so you have those moments. And this was not a kid who enjoyed school, who didn't just love going to school. It was pulling him to the finish line. And, you know, he did it. And he, he, things work out for him. I don't, he's just one of those guys that things work out for him. They shouldn't. If it were my life, it would fall apart, but somehow the people come into the right space. So, so that was a good thing this past year. 
anything. Let me to... ask you a question about yes. that. So he finished high school and you're going to get family dinner and you're all going to sit around and you're, and you're going to have your ham. God we knows. did not have it. We had Mexican food at our, I love the, uh, Elena Kagan line about when Lindsey Graham said, what'd you do for Christmas? And she said, I guess like most Jews, I was at a Chinese restaurant, which I love. Um, <laughs> so you're going to be sitting there at dinner eating whatever you eat uh -huh. and the family's going to be there. Um, is there going to be a part of you that, that gives some of that to the country, some of that to America? Are you going to say this country works for me? I've always thought, I've always appreciated the freedoms that I've had. I mean, I grew up Catholic in a small town where there were only like 10 of us. So my experience being Catholic was, I mean, we didn't have any Jews in my town. I mean, it was, I was the exotic one. Right. Um, and so I always appreciated that we could pray or go to whatever church we wanted because I saw that that was, I was not the norm compared to my other Christian friends. And so, um, and then when I got to college and I did start making friends with people of different faiths, mm -hmm. um, I'd never heard of Ramadan. I love that. I mean, you know, I, to learn all that. And I do appreciate that people can celebrate the holidays, whatever holiday they want or not a holiday. You know, there are a growing number of young people I know who are agnostic. They just don't feel organized religion is for them, but they still celebrate Christmas. And I always thought that was funny. Like, how do you celebrate Christmas? But my kids look at me and they're like, but it's not just for us. It's for, I mean, they view it as almost as this secular coming together. It is. It's the inclusive commercialism of the holiday. That's why it works. My favorite atheist, Christopher Hitchens, by far the most articulate, unapologetic atheist. His favorite holiday was Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. which I loved. Family, getting together. Perfect, right? right. I mean, I think... Getting back, this may be the theme. We actually had a theme today, Jane, believe it or not. We did, and then you started talking about sex. Well, that's always the thing. Is that micro-America always work better than macro-America? Those individual relationships always work better. The individual communities didn't always, but had a chance to work better because you could bring people together. And we could invite, like when I, uh, another person who died, was it this year? My friend Pat over at uh, the radio station, right? Mm, yeah, um, yeah, we got together. We found some common ground, which happens because we were local. And the common ground was we both thought that Scott Pruitt was out of his mind. But that happens locally. I mean, Pat and I never would have gotten together if he was on one coast, I was on the other. We were both on TV shows and both screaming at one another. But that's what I mean about Michael America. You do find those people, like the guys at Mondo's and like Pat. And um, I think that's always worked. And we'll continue to work. But as you say, the more we get away from the local glue, and journalism has a lot to do with that. You know, if we're just listening to Fox and we're just listening to MSNBC, there will be very little common ground there. But if we're both watching the same really inane local news show of some parade in Tulsa, it's like, all right, fine, okay, it's cute.
ridiculous, but it's cute. I mean, we should all argue about the same Jim Glover ads. It's healthy for us to do that. I think your obsession with the Jim Glover ads might not be healthy. Oh, it's not, but it was, but much better than it was last year. Much better than it was last year. It's true. And I think the cross on her chest a little bit smaller this year. So you're going to invite me to Passover? Is that what's going to happen next year? Yeah, I'll have a Jew here, so he or she will know exactly how to do it. But yeah, you're you. supposed to know. You're I'm, you're you're. I'm, I'm the Jew. You're my I'm guide, which makes I'm, all. Which I'm has the I had I had a non-kosher bar mitzvah. I'm not good at this. I'm really not. All the rabbis would hear me say that, probably cringe. Like, no, no, let us let us talk to you, not Barry. Yeah, yeah, the greatest quote since it is the season for that. My uh, rabbi, Rabbi Sherman. One time told me, I asked him whether Jews believed in an afterlife. And he said, well, if you ask two Jews that question, you'll get three answers, which I thought was terrific. And on that, I'm going to wish you a happy Hanukkah. And you, uh, uh, Merry Christmas. There I did it. That was impossible. How did we manage that? It's okay. Hey, wait, because you're not Jewish and I'm not Christian. <laughs> That's how we did it. Gee, that took about four seconds. See, and if you were to wish me a happy Hanukkah, I'd just go with it. Because I think yeah. that's cool too. So, you know. Anyway, we're going to do more of these in the upcoming year. I hope people tune in. And, I hope uh, you still can. I hope you're with us. I hope you're here. Uh, I, I, mean, I, you're with us. I know you'll on, be with us, but I hope. <laughs> I'm not planning on going anywhere, so we'll just see. You know what? We'll always have a podcast somewhere, right? We're always, we'll just, wherever we go, we'll just take a camera with us. We'll be in our respective living rooms. <laughs> That's where we got this idea. And I, I know we're, we're getting off, off the air here, but we had this idea to do a podcast at Mondo's. Remember that? Yes, we did. Because we were talking and we're like, the people would love to hear us talk. So we'll see. We should do it there. Where are my new shoes? Oh, here we should. Shoes. And talk, yeah, talk yeah. and you know, talk about the shoes. Well, anyway, I do hope everyone has a happy holidays and we will see you in the next year. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye.